six always. That's, that's for the culture. Happy Monday, y'all. Welcome back to another installment of the Bucks and Six podcast. I am DJ, and it has been quite the minute since we last talked. But don't worry, I'm going to explain everything. First of all, thank you for clicking on. This is the Bucks and Six podcast where initially we were talking about the NBA as a whole and then talking about the Bucks. But I mean, screw it. Let's just get right into it. So uh, for context, I'm going to be doing monthly issues now. You know, as much as I love the Bucks, I do love the game of basketball as a whole. So that is why I'm going to be starting a new podcast. It's going to be called The Blacktop. Look out for that. I will definitely, like, put out a huge splurge when I'm going to start that. But that is what's going to be happening. So this issue is technically supposed to be December. But because the last issue did have a bit of December in it, uh, I'm not going to be going back to that. I'm just going to be going from where we last left off. So regardless... How the rest of the podcast is going to go is that I'm still going to give you a take of the day. It is going to be strictly about the Bucks. I'm going to do that for this one. And obviously, once we start the Blacktop, I'll do one about the league as a whole. After that, we're going to be going over the rest of the games that were... I said that really, really, let me say it again. I'm going to be going the rest of the games of December, you know, give an overview of them, overall stuff, all that kind of jazz. And then after that, we're going to be doing what's called the GBU, the good, the bad ugly the good is the best game of the month the bad being the worst game of the month and the ugly being a situation worth keeping up for i know that with milwaukee being the defending champions there's a lot of like noise around them or not as much as other teams but there's a lot of expectations and with that comes just situations that could either like blow up in a good way or a bad way that's what the ugly is for and then from there we're going to go into our co-mvp you know aside from Giannis, who is in my opinion front runner for mvp right now Bias set aside even. Just, you know, the guy that really stepped up and has really been a good number two to Giannis and just overall had a good impact on the team. And from there, we'll just do some concluding thoughts and takeaways, and then we'll be done. So yeah, that's where I've been the past couple weeks. Well, that and I'm trying to enjoy my break. I go back to work tomorrow or today when you're technically hearing this, but yeah, let's get right into it. Here's the take of the day. So, for the very first take of this new revamped version of the Bucks 6 podcast, I gotta say, Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo will not only make first team all defense, they will become the first back-to-back duo to make all defensive teams since Paul Pressey and Sidney Moncrief back in 85 and 86. Now, that's obviously about the Bucks, but to get into it, when it comes to Drew Holiday, I really think he's in a class of his own defensively. It's like the equivalent of how, well, maybe not this season, but prior... James Harden was really in a class of his own as a shooting guard. I think that's Drew Holiday, but obviously on the defensive end. And then when it comes to Giannis, there's not much else to say. He's always in contention for the DPOY, in my opinion, is the best help defender in the league. That's why he doesn't guard the best players. But when you put those two together, they're both the anchors for one of the best defenses in the entire league. You know, bias is even set aside. And this year, it's been solid with the defense, but you can tell that No Brook has had a really big impact. Or not big, but it has had an impact on... Uh, protecting the paint even though Brooke Lopez is getting older and isn't the force he used to be just his sheer presence you know that 7-1-2 whatever he is he's a solid dude I know that just having that presence in your paint can really be a big factor especially considering the fact that right now we don't have a seven footer like as much as I love Bobby I don't really think he's the same kind of force that Brooke Lopez brings defensively even though in my opinion he's been solid has been cooked a bit here and there but It's okay, Bobby's like the man, so I will always be like, it's okay. Just to give that take one more go around. So, 
Drew Holiday, Giannis Antetokounmpo will both make first-team all-defense. Because of this, they will become the first back-to-back -back duo to make all-defensive first-team for the Bucks. since Paul Pressey and Sidney Moncrief both did it back in 1985 and 1986. And with that, I gotta give this take a... Guarantee! So last time we spoke, the Bucks had just gotten thrashed by the Celtics, and not only that, Giannis had to go into protocols. So that is why I am calling the Pacers game next man up. So not only with the fact that Giannis had to go into health and safety protocols, Dante, this was supposed to be his debut, also got thrown into there. And because of that, you know, Milwaukee really got bit by that snake. Not only that, Chris Middleton was out due to the hyperextended knee he suffered in Boston, but guys stepped up. Connaughton with another 20-piece, Bobby with a 29-3 game, Noara, my boy, with 15-6. and six. Drew Holiday, though, really led the way. I mean, let me tell you these numbers. 26 points and 14 assists on 67% from the field. That is really good for a guard. Like, those are literally Giannis numbers, and we all know Giannis. He gets to the basket. But with Drew, he really does, like, very much a three-level scorer. And this is all considering that the Pacers were fairly healthy. They had all their starters, and this is a good start to the stretch with no Giannis. And, man, if y'all thought Drew played good against the Pacers, I'm just going to give you guys the title for this Pelicans game. I'm calling it The Prodigal Son Returns. Now, we all know Drew Holiday really started in Philly, but... Really started to come into his own in uh, New Orleans, in my opinion. Even though his all-star selection was with Philly, New Orleans was really where I think he made like his biggest strides. However, before we get into that, man, if things couldn't get any worse, Bobby Portis also got thrusted into health and safety, so we were like really down to like the last few guys in this sense. The boys came to ball regardless, especially Drew Randall Holiday. Before giving him some love, though, I gotta talk about these other guys. So, Nawara with his best game of the season so far, in my opinion. 14 points and 13 rebounds with a couple of steals and a block, but unfortunately had to do it on 36% shooting. However, coming off of that, you know, little midi game, Grayson Allen really came into his own, broke out for 25 points. Man, y'all already know who I really want to talk about here. Drew Holiday had a career night against his former team. 45-5 and, and 2 steals. However... Despite having that career night, well, I mean, they lost. To give even more emphasis to that, and what could have been the last play of the game, I felt there was no real sense of urgency, and that was what really resulted in the game going into overtime. I mean, the Bucks had it, inbounded it, and it just looked like the way they ran their play, I didn't even know if there was a play. It played very much like a, like a set you run when there's a lot of time left, but there were, like, very few seconds, and that's why they had to settle for, like, a crap shot. Even though the Bucks lost, I gotta show some love to the Pels, man, because shoot, B.I. with a well-rounded 22-5-5 and 3 steals. Jonas Valanciunas, who in my opinion is having an all-star level season, but he won't get it because the team is cheeks. 24-7 alongside with 3 assists and 2 blocks. Pretty solid. Devontae Graham, though, man, that dude torched us. Had 26 with 24 of those 26 coming from the 3-point land. He also had 4 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 steals. Man. When that happens, you just don't even know if you can win that. But that's not even that's not even the end of it. I mean, Herb Jones. Dude is literally one of the biggest steals in the draft. Finished with 17-9 and 4 with a steal and a block apiece. Whew. But shoot, yo, Laker legend. <laughs> Josh Hart had a monster game on the boards. I mean, he finished with 11-15 and 15 alongside 8 assists. Those are pretty nice numbers. And I think just overall it's hard to win when a team has almost 4 players with 20+. plus. 
this is all considering that the Bucks really only had two of their starters, Grayson Allen and uh, Drew Holiday, with the rest of the guys being more of the rotational players. So you love that the boys were in it, despite being down multiple starters. Now for this next game against the Cavs, man, I don't even want to fucking talk about it. That's why I called it. Ain't no fucking way, boy. Now, this was the annual game where no starters played. Uh, because of it, though, I was excited to see what the young guys could do. And to an extent, they were right. But I mean, there's not much to say when at a game where some people pay hundreds of dollars to attend, they instead choose to watch a volleyball game at said game. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I believe it was uh, the Women's National Championship NCAA Volleyball game thingamajig. But they literally showed a shot where there were like, like quite a few people huddled around like a TV that was maybe 30 inches at most. All that compared to a game where there are guys getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball. You know, it was, you definitely know it's got to be an ugly loss then. However, that aside, some of the vets played solid. You know, George Hill with a nice 14-3-4. Boogie with a nice double-double of 12-12 alongside five steals. Very nice. Mamu, my boy, had a 17-piece. 12 of them coming from the three-point land. You love another big that can help stretch the floor, especially considering that, you know, Brooke Lopez is starting to get a little old. Noara, though. Dude at 28, 11, and 4. The best part, pretty decent efficiency. Had 52% from the field. I will take that any day of the week. Now, all things considered, that is a little futile. Considering that the Cavs completely dicked us by 30. And because of that, I can't leave this podcast without talking about the Cavs. Because again, they just straight pummeled us. I mean, it's next to impossible when a team wins. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. When a team's bench hangs 50 plus on your head. I mean, come on now. But to talk about some of the actual guys, I mean, Darius Garland had an amazing all-star level game with 22-4-6 on 77%. <sighs> Crazy. Jared Allen with a lackluster night, only had 14-5. and five. But Ricky Robio, near-perfect six-man tonight. He mean, 15-5-10 with three steals. Gotta say, though, this was before that, but I'm super choked that he's out for the rest of the year. I mean, dude was literally playing, like, an MIP level player and just, man, I don't even know what to say because, like, he was literally playing so well. Say lovey. You hate injuries, but it is a part of the game. And then from one, you know, veteran on that team, we're talking about to talk about another one here. Kevin Love. Being pretty solid for the most expensive bench player. <laughs> he had 14 and 5 as well. And Seti Osman went bonkers. 23, 5, and 4 off the bench on 67%. Whew. But overall, this is just a game you want to put in the rearview mirror ASAP. And the Bucks did that in their rematch against the Rockets. That's why I'm calling it the bounce back is real. Coming off perhaps the worst loss since the first meeting with the Heat. The safety protocol boys were still out though. But Cash Money made his return to the lineup. And the Bucks just overall had good contributions across the entire team. I mean, Chris with a nice 23-3-6 in his return. Boogie with a super solid 18-8-2. Noara with another good game. Finished with 18-9-2. Wesley Matthews, man. RIP to his grandma. In the tribute game to her, had his best game of the season. 16 points on 86% shooting. Whew. And obviously, you know that Drew Holiday led the way again. 24-4-10 with two steals. But I would be a fool to not think that this game will only really be remembered for one thing. Jordan Noara's nasty-ass crossover step back on Armani Brooks, man. I mean, Noara, with that, that will easily be one of the best plays by a Buck player this entire year. 
But overall, this is a nice win coming off back-to-back losses. Coming off a victory against one team in Texas, we headed to the other one. We faced the Dallas Mavericks, who were completely dilapidated. I mean, this roster had no Luka, no Porzingis, no Tim Hardaway Jr., and a lot of their other role players like Maxi Cleaver, Reggie Bullock, and Trey Burke. Those are six guys who are very, like, very important. Luka obviously being the franchise star there. But I will say... This gave Jalen Brunson another opportunity to solidify his case for a nice little payday at the end of the season. And he did that when he finished with 19-4-8. Not only that, former Buck, Sterling Brown, never really like could point him out when there was a game. Only thing I will remember about him is probably that Giannis pranked him with that classic filled his entire car with popcorn thingy that they do to rookies. He had a nice game. A nice 10-13 double-double. However, with the fact that the Mavericks were completely like complete shallow roster filled with G leaguers. They smell blood in the water. I mean, three players with 20 plus. Boogie with his best game of the season so far, 22, 8, and 4. Drew Holiday, 24, 7, and 7 with three steals. Cash Money led the way, baby. 26, 5, and 7. This might have been a slow start, but the boys buckled down and took care of business and left this little like Dallas. Not Dallas. I mean, yes, Dallas, but they let this little Texas visit completely victorious. And that was the perfect momentum heading into perhaps one of the most important games of the season so far. Because it is Christmas, we have the Celtics. I'm calling this one a Christmas comeback. This is easily one of the best wins on the season. The Celtics were 2-0 against the Bucks heading into this game. Not going to lie. The first half really looked like the game was heading towards 3-0. Boston was hitting all their shots. Milwaukee wasn't really to get things going, and we saw that and how they were really down coming into halftime. But I got to show Boston some love here. I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum combined for 50. Marcus Smart had a well-rounded game, 19-2-7. Time Lord Robert Williams, a guy that I picked to pop off this year with a nice 11-14-4. Got to say, though, Loki got some underrated vision, in my opinion, which is what the Boston Celtics really need. They don't really need more buckets because they got two of the best buckets right now. Speaking of buckets... Peyton Pritchard provided a nice spark plug off the bench with 16-5. and five. However, despite the fact that uh, the Celtics had a nice little lead hanging to halftime, Giannis Antetokounmpo happened. Before I talk about the man, though, Chris and Drew both had 17. Bobby with the solid 16-10-4 off the bench. But Giannis, man, the 2021 Finals MVP and likely the 2022 MVP carried the Bucks home. 36-12-5 with two blocks. Whew. Gotta love that. Now, overall, like I said earlier, this is one of the best wins for the entire season. It's a team we haven't had much success in the regular season, and we showed up on the biggest stage, regular season-wise. You know, unless it's like a game where you're fighting for their playoff hopes, but the Milwaukee Bucks are too good for that. Before we move on to the next game, though, man, I just gotta take this little instance here to say this was Dante DiVincenzo's first game of basketball in six months. It was great to see him back on the floor. Although he didn't have the best game, he did finish with plus 11, which is a very nice number to see, considering that, again, he hasn't played basketball for six months. Last time he played basketball, the Milwaukee Bucks were NBA champions. So just overall, it was nice to see him back. I'm excited to see him get his legs back from under him. And shoot, this team just keeps getting deeper and deeper. Now heading for one amazing game, we had another amazing game against the Magic. Another weird stint where we had both back-to-backs against them. Despite the Magic losing, this was arguably the Franz Wagner game. Dude has his best game of his young career so far. He had himself a night, man. 38-7-3. and 
and here it is splits, man. Listen to this. 60% from the field, 50% from three, and 100% from the line. That is as perfect as perfect gets without actually being perfect. And man, in my opinion, I'm going to go off a little tangent here about Franz Wagner because I really love the dude. He's a dark horse for Rookie of the Year. I mean, I still think it's primarily between Scotty and Evan Mobley. In my opinion, Evan Mobley because he's on the more successful team. Guys like Franz and Cade are guys that could propel themselves into that conversation if they continue to play well. But heading back to the game, aside from Franz Wagner, I mean, with the Magic, they had little help. Wendell also played a pretty solid game, though. Not going to lie, prior to this game against the Magic, I haven't really been watching them play and I really thought Wendell's season was over after I saw, like, the last game I watched them, he got carted out on a wheelchair. And with that, again, I really thought his season was going to be over. However, I guess it was, like, you know, another Paul Pierce moment. Regardless, had a solid game, 19-10 and 10 to go alongside with three blocks. But this is the Orlando Magic we're talking about. A nice young team, but they shouldn't even be sniffing a game against the Bucks, despite these two guys' good efforts. I mean, let's go rifle down through this. Drew, 18, 4, and 10. Chris, 21 on 57% shooting. Bobby, 19 and 7 on 78 and 100 splits. Giannis took us home again, 28, 6, and 6. Like, it looked like he was never even out for a bit. Despite this, though, just like other the... Let me say that again. Just like the other Magic games a few weeks ago, despite the game being well in hand, the Magic fought their way back in points and made the game... Uh, We'll call it interesting. I mean, they outscored the Bucks 37 to 25 in the third quarter. You know, a win is in... Man, I'm getting my words mixed up here. A win is a win, but the words close game shouldn't really come up against a rebuilding team like this. I think it just goes to show you that anything can happen in the NBA. Now, with the second game against the Magic, I didn't give a title for the first one because these two is just the same again. Deja vu. But this one did play a little bit different, particularly that it was a more rounded game from both teams. I'm with the Magic uh, from three guys in double figures. This time they doubled that. They had six guys in double figures. Franz had a worse game, but still ended with a respectable line of 20 on 50, 67, and 100 splits. Whew. Gary Harris, a guy who's very overpaid in my opinion, 17 and three assists and three steals. Tim Frazier, 13 and five assists, including 75% from the three. RJ Hampton. Technically a Bucks draft pick with a well-rounded 15-3 and 5. And Franz's big brother Mo Wagner, 19 points himself, not bad. Wendell Carter Jr. though, another solid outing, 14-10 and 5. This just speaks to how, well maybe not Tim Frazier and Gary Harris because they're older. But this team really does have a nice young nucleus. This is considering that Cole Anthony didn't play both games. And in my opinion, he's probably their best player right now. Again, the Mil the Milwaukee Magic, the Orlando Magic really have the makings to be a good team. It's just a matter of letting that all, you know, fester together, let it all develop, and you never know. However, despite all these contributions, the Bucks came to play today. I mean, we had seven players in double figures. Let me rifle those down. Wesley Matthews had 11 points. Bobby and Dante both finished with 11 and 9. And the big three, all of them had 20 plus. Chris Middleton, 22 and 6 assists. Drew Holiday with a full line, 25, 5, 7, 3, and 2. Giannis feasted, though, finishing with 33, 12, and 5 with two steals and two blocks. Whew. Also got to mention, the big three also went a combined 19 and 19 from the line. Good shit. Now, overall, these Magic games are all games we should win. The Bucks sweep the season series. If I'm the Magic, though, like I said earlier, I'm not, or not like I said earlier, to sort of expand on my point, I'm not demoralized by for the four losses. I mean, there were multiple instances where they could have gotten back into the games. They're a young team that doesn't give up. You love to see that. And again, with guys like Cole Anthony and Mo Bamba beginning to break out, 
you know, all the young pieces they have. The Magics have the making to be a solid force in the East. All right, so I know that I said the issues are going to be for the month, but just because it is a little late, uh, this episode is going to bleed into the first game of the new year, and that is okay. Because who gives a fuck? We're here to talk about basketball. We're going to talk about basketball. Now we have the Pelicans. This tagline I got here, ringing in the new year the right way. I mean, the last time these teams met, Bucks had no Giannis, no Chris, no Dante, and no Bobby. This time, though, the table's almost completely turned. We still had no Dante and no Chris. Dante was just doing ankle maintenance, and Chris Milton was out with personal reasons. Hope everything's okay there. And the Pelicans, though, they got a taste of the Milwaukee medicine because they were out their big three. No Zion, no B.I., and no Jonas. And this game, man, it gave the chance... Gave the chance, and that's not what I mean. It gave the Bucks the chance to one, avenge a loss from a week ago, two, start the New Year's the right way, domination, three, bolster Giannis's MVP candidacy, and yeah, the Bucks accomplished all three of these. The Pelicans, though, they did what they could. I mean, the whole starting five ended in double figures, seven in total. However, I got a shout out Jackson Hayes, who had a career night off the bench. We'll love to see him get more opportunities. However, it's hard considering that he's 220 playing the center role. But either way, dude had himself a game. Congrats to the man. Now, I gotta say though, a near fully healthy Bucks team smelled the blood in the water and feasted on the Pelicans today. We had three players with 20 plus. Man, I'm just preparing myself to say the second name because it's amazing. I, I love this man. <laughs> to get back, sorry, that was that was a weird tangent. But to get back on track. Drew Holiday, 21 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blocks, and 2 steals. Oh, the second name, Jordan Owara. He not only had 23, but did it on godly efficiency. 82% from the field and 71% from 3. Can't forget about some of the other homies. Bobby finished with 14 and 6. Grayson with a nice 16. And Giannis obviously carried. Started the year off very right, in my opinion. 35, 16, and 10. Just an overall dominating game. We never lost a quarter. Only one player with a negative plus minus. Our splits were very nice. 53, 48, and 83 compared to the Pels. 41, 41, and 63. You know, this is a perfect way to ring in the new year. And that completes that. Those were all the games from the last issue to now. We're going to take a little break here before we head into just the overview and just the last little bit here. See y'all in a bit. Now, in looking at the month of December, it was not only a Merry Christmas, but the Bucks had a Merry December. I mean, 11-5 through the month, 3-2 without Giannis, when arguably two of those games we could have won. Not bad. And shoot, looking towards January, I am going to say I'm very excited. We started off against the Pistons, technically today. But from there, man, we got a lot of nice games coming up. Let me just rifle some off. We got the Nets on the 7th, the Hornets back-to-back on the 8th and the 10th. Playing the Warriors, that should be a very good measuring stick, in my opinion, a preview of the finals on January 13th. Shoot, running back against the Hawks on the 17th, hope to get that one back. The Bulls on the 21st should be a very fire game. And man, yeah, just January is going to be a very good month of basketball for the Milwaukee Bucks. But either way, heading from here, let's get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. See y'all in a bit. Now, as I said earlier, the good, the bad, the ugly is to talk about three things. The good, the best game of the month. 
the bad, the worst game of the month, and the ugly, a situation that could be developing and just something to really keep an eye out for. So let's get right into it. So the good, the Celtics, you know, the best wins are the ones you grind for. Those were literally all the games in the NBA Finals for the Bucks, except maybe Game 6, because we completely dicked the Suns. No, all things set aside, yeah. The best games are the ones that really come down to the wire, the ones that really show a team their metal, you know, what they're made of. As you know, what, you know what the classic saying is, iron sharpens iron is one man sharpens another. Those are the best games. And this is even better, considering that the Celtics have won every meeting this season prior. So despite that, or let me see real quick if they're going to play them again look on the fly here Ooh, we got one more game against them on april 7th hopefully we're able to you know even out that series but regardless the bucks got the most important game of those four and christmas from there we got the bad now this one's the Cavs. i mean i ain't really gotta say shit here the one thing people were literally getting up out of their seats to watch the national championship volleyball game over a game they paid money to watch you know, this is equivalent of the Knicks game last year where they played with no starters. And man, can't say I blame them. But the fuck you go spend your money for then? Well, actually, I can't really say it like that because granted, they probably most of them bought the tickets prior to knowing that this team was going to get none of the starters. But still, if I paid money to watch something, I'm going to fucking watch it. And the end off here, this one is called The Ugly. This is the shooting guard dilemma we have. We got Grayson Allen and Dante DiVincenzo. Both are starting quality and they're both not playing that well slash consistent right now. Now with Dante, it's a little bit different. He hasn't played basketball in six months with him. You got to give him a little bit of time to get his legs under him. Hopefully though, he not only comes around, but stays healthy. Because again, man, the best ability is availability. And obviously when you're off for six months, that's not really the case. Now, when it comes to Grayson, it is significantly different. He's in a bit of a slump right now. In my opinion, he needs to pick his spots on the offense, get aggressive when Giannis is on the floor, and I think he's just really still trying to find his true role on this team. When he started out this season, he was not, I don't want to use the word go-to guy, but he wasn't as passive as he has to be now. And now, with the team starting to get fully healthy, he's got to dial it back a bit, but still remain effective. In my opinion, though, I'm sticking to my guns. I would let Grayson start. He provides better shooting, which with Giannis is definitely something you need. I like Dante as a six-man sort of role. Once he gets his legs back under him, I'm going to keep using that word, uh, I would let him run the second unit. Him and Bobby could be very deadly together. Regardless, though, it's somewhat of a good problem to have. Two really good players, just a matter of how Bud wants to stack his lineups. Now, we're going to take a little break here before we head into the little final stretch and talk about our co-MVP. Now, I don't think it's really much of a discussion, or not really discussion, but I don't think it's much of a debate who the co-MVP is. It's obviously Drew Randall Holiday. Really put the team on his back when Giannis was out. Looked even more confident slash informed. And man, let me just give you his averages without Giannis. 28.5 points, 5 rebounds, 9 assists, and 2 steals on 57% from the field. That is crazy. That is amazing. That is just, man. Literally every good, like, Every synonym for the word good, that's what that is. I mean, he's playing like an all-star, which he should be this season. And I think with no Kyrie or Ben to get it this year, gives him, and in my opinion, LaMelo the chance to get in. Everybody's saying Cleveland deserved two all-stars, and I get it. They're great and all, but they're still like the fourth or fifth seed. I don't think that should really constitute you getting two all-stars. And I mean, when you look at Drew Holiday, 
He's the second best player on the defending champs. You got to give the man that nod. If it weren't for all the injuries, in my opinion, the Bucks would definitely be first in the conference. Like, I don't think there's been a... Let me think real quick. But I don't think there's been a game this entire year where we lost when the entire team was healthy. I mean, I can't even say that because Brooke hasn't played since the first game. So yeah, every game the Bucks have lost is a bit of an asterisk. You know, just like how people say, oh, no, Kyrie, the Bucks wouldn't have won, blah, 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 blah. I'm using that same shit. No, I'm kidding. I don't like to use injuries as a like excuse, but ball don't lie. I mean, literally, the Bucks have not had their starting center the entire year. I don't even know if we're going to get him this year because dude like had back surgery. That is something that very hard to come back from. And I definitely don't think he's going to play to the level that we're used to seeing him in. But, you know, crazy things have happened. Wishing Brooke a very speedy recovery. But coming off of this tangent, yeah. So my co-MVP award, Drew Holiday. Dude really had a crazy carry job without Giannis. And I think he's going to use that momentum and that like dominant experience. To really put that forth into this, you know, second half of the season, you know, New Year, New Me type shit. And Shuya, going to be very, uh, very exciting, very interesting. All those words to see how the Bucks are going to do in this, you know, last little stretch. Not little stretch, but this last stretch towards the playoffs and towards their road of uh, repeating. Now we're going to take another little quick break before we head into the overall conclusion, takeaways, all that jazz. Alrighty, so to start the beginning of the end, we got some takeaways. Number one, the Bucks are starting to get their most important ability, availability. And with that, this is as healthy as the team has ever been, and it's amazing. I mean, once Brooke is back, man, I don't even know. Regardless, though, even with all these players going into protocols, I thought the team was playing solid. It's going to be interesting how the Bucks approach the trade deadline. Like, there's almost too much depth in a sense. You know, ideally... I think the perfect sort of rotation is, for the playoffs at least, is about nine nine men deep. Ten is kind of pushing it, but either way, like, you don't want to push more than ten in my opinion. And with that, I mean, the Bucks overall have a good solid nine or ten already. I just think that with the pieces we have, we could potentially, you know, swing a two for one and get somebody who could be even more impactful to the team. Heading from there, I am sad about Noara. He still has potential to be a role player. I don't know if that's going to be here. He plays like a guy on a rebuilding team. If he was actually on a rebuilding team, he would definitely pop off. But because the Bucks are contending, you know, there's little room for error. But I will say, the Pelicans game showed that he still has potential for minutes. I think the perfect use of Jordan Nwara is just letting him spot up at the three-point line. And when Giannis gets dealt, like doubled, you pass it out to him and let that man let it fly. I don't like him being a ball handler I don't like it when he's taking the ball off the dribble because a lot of the time he does settle for bad shots but he does make some bad shots here and there so when he's making them fire when he's not fuck however I'm not in the department of people who are giving up on him again I still think he has potential to be a rotational player there's just like a lot of things I think he could work on and I'm sure he knows that too heading from there we gotta say the holy the Milwaukee Bucks have made some S-tier signings since the offseason coming off the chip. I mean, let's go through some of them. Grayson Allen. Dog. <laughs> Not going to go with that again, but 
Bringing back vets who know the system, George Hill and Wesley Matthews, two guys that I think are going to be very overlooked by a lot of teams. You know, despite them being on, like, the tail end of their careers, I think they're still very, I don't want to use the word useful because that sounds like, you know, they're useless in a sense. But, no, they're two guys I think can be very, very big contributors to this team going forward, whether it's as in the rotation or being a sort of mentor to the young guys. Their value cannot be, like, equivalated. No, that's not even a word. They're... (laughs) Their value cannot be uh, cannot be shown through the box score. I'll say that because I think they're two guys that really give a lot of depth, both uh, on the basketball court and to this team as people. Uh, y'all know what I mean. Like again, because they're vets, they've been around longer. They know the nuances. They know what goes into being successful on and off the court. And I think that's a very, very underestimated uh, sense of value that teams have. I mean, if you look at the Rockets, for instance, KPJ just fucking exploded on his assistant coach. If you had some guy like George Hill, you know, a vet that can really tell him, like, hey, bro, you know, you might be the number one option, but that don't mean you can be an asshole. I don't know if that situation happens. Now, coming off of that long tangent to say those two have been very good additions, Boogie, having a nice resurgence so far, definitely a solid backup option. He gives the team a nice little grittiness that is uh, PJ-esque. I think that's mainly that he really plays with his heart on his sleeve, and I love that. But regardless, the Bucks are starting to heat up, and this is great momentum leading into this new year. Again, the Bucks are starting to get healthy. That is something that seems like the complete polar opposite of how the league is going with all these players heading into protocols. But shoot, man, there's nothing to say the Bucks can't re- repeat. There have been very little lowlights, in my opinion. The most, I would say, is probably just, like, Miami, man. That's the team that... I'm probably most scared of. When you look at the Eastern Conference, I think it's really a four-horse race. Miami, I mean, they haven't been very healthy, and I think that's why a lot of people probably are writing them off. I'm not doing that. So just to say again, Miami, Brooklyn, us, and uh, Chicago. Philly could get into there too, but the only thing is the Ben Simmons situation. They got to trade him so you know what you're really going to work with. Again, I do not believe Ben Simmons should ever suit up for the Sixers again. So you got to do something there. You have a generational talent in Joel Embiid and just not allowing to play amongst another potentially generational player or even just like a more than starter quality player, a guy who has a chance to make an all-star team. They're missing that with Ben Simmons and there's someone that they could get back for that with Ben Simmons potentially. But either way, this isn't a fucking Sixers podcast. This is the Bucks podcast regardless. The Bucks are really starting to heat up, and this is great momentum leading them into the new year, and I love it. But that's going to do it for me. I have been DJ, your host. This is the Bucks and Six Podcast, Issue 15, Who Wants the Smoke? And remember, the only guarantees in life are death, taxes, and Bucks and Six. Take care, y'all. That's for the culture.